Hey, hey, hey again. Welcome to Rolling Fat. Um, you know, obviously, we're moving along here nicely. like the pace. Um, obviously, this one's coming out a little bit late. I hope you guys understand. I'm trying to do this during the middle of a move. Children learning to not pee their beds anymore. Like being little assholes. Um, but let's get right into it. Another episode of Rolling Fat. My name is Max Krushak, the voice behind this idea. Um, can't even say the ideas anymore because people are bringing them in and I'm loving the ideas. So keep them coming. Um, right off the bat, trade alert. Cam Akers going to the Vikings. Um, now, obviously, a couple of people very impacted by this. Tom and Dave. Tom has Madison, who has already been a pretty big disappointment this year, but has also faced two very tough run defenses, Tampa Bay and Philly. Um, could he end up going back to his complimentary role like he did with Delphine Cook? I don't know. And Davey who mistakenly started K-Makers last week, who laid an egg and was a healthy and active in order to get this trade completed. Um, kind of one of those weird ones. So far this year's Akers has only carried the ball 22 times for a whopping 29 yards. Um, he should see a larger workload for Minnesota down the road, but can he take out the incumbent? It can end up being a situation where the workload is equally shared, making both players much less valuable. Um, now to recap last week, um, I played against Dave in the first game of the week. Uh, 130 to 118, Dave won. Kyle and Steven beat Mike 108.64 to 107.14. Um, and that was the third game of the week last week. Um, Evan and Jay, 83.64. Jay won with 100.5. John beat Tom with a crazy high score, 167.96 to 101.98. And Nikki Kovacs beat Jimmy. 121.46 to 92.94. Another pretty big blowout there. And um, Tits beat Rex, 115 to 103. So um, all around, you know, things are evening out. <laughs> it's got a lot of one-on-one teams in the middle there. So um, as the season rolls along, hopefully, you know, keep every state's competitive. That means you, Kyle, E. New sponsor alert. This week, our presenting sponsor is the Krushak Yard Sale Emporium. Do you have a wife that hoards decorations, kids' toys, flooring, pots, pans, utensils? Then bring them hoes on down to 596 Upland Street, Pottstown, PA. We are here for you. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Got a table you spent $200 and a week building, but she wants to sell for $0.47? Cents? We got you. Do you have duplicate packages that you got from Amazon mistakes? We got you. Do you have lightly used socks mixed with a bag of lightly used underwear? We got you. Baby clothes, binkies, bottles. We got it all. 596 Elpen Street. Come down this Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. I want to thank all our sponsors for keeping this fuckfest going. Um, the Krushak Yard Sale Emporium should be a hit. All right. So to the awards. Biggest upset. John over Tom in the second game of the highlighted. Um, we highlighted last week in the episode. Um, Jesus. Is that Violet Beauregard from Willy Wonka? Hot air balloon taking off? John's ego inflating? Nope. John's fantasy team absolutely blowing up. What a week. I went from lowest points in the league last week to most points this week. Every single player on his team scored over the expected points, except for his kicker, who was only a few points off. Out of the entire team, the biggest contributors to nearly 50-point increase over his expected score were T. Higgins, emerging from the ashes of a zero-point showing in Week 1. 
This week, he doubled his 12 expected for almost 25. Now, he still wasn't efficient because it took 20 targets to him to get those eight catches. But it appears a lot of that has to do with the banged-up Joe Burrow, um, who might not even play this week, depending on you know how he feels, as all since he receiving options have since been devalued a little to start the year. The other come up on John Squad was the Pittsburgh D, who absolutely beat off, I'm sorry, beat down Deshaun Watson. Allegedly after the game, Deshaun hopped on his burner to talk shit on the coaching staff and his offensive line. But the truth is, he's probably just a little tight and really needs to relax. Yeah, I wonder what could help with that. Tom's team, on the other hand, had a rough week across the board. TJ Hawkinson showed up on Thursday night to set Tom up for success, but the rest of his team did not get the memo. Alexander Madison was busy making it very easy for Vikings to trade for his replacement, tallying a total of 39 yards on eight carries and just three catches. Very similar to his week one output, just one less touchdown, and a fumble to be the difference. Joshua Kelly, the bell of the ball on the waivers last week, was ineffective to say the least against a tough Titans run day. Now, if he gets the nod against, as Eckler is still continuing to sit, he should see the increased production against the Vikings, who just had handcuffed running back DeAndre Swift destroy them for the second best game in his entire career. The biggest winner last week was Dave. Uh, myself and Dave were in the 1 0 showdown in the biggest match of the week. And not only did he take me down, but also secured the number one spot. Um, tied with three others at 2 0, but he's outpacing them all with over 130 points per week. As noted earlier, Dave made the Ninkum fucking poop move of the week by starting Cam Akers when he was a healthy scratch. See Nikki Tits and his Kelsey mistake. Mostert and Swift picked up the slack, though, both more than doubling their expected points from slightly over 11 to both over 25. That's a winning combination when the rest of the squad holds steady. Biggest loser, Rex. Now, this could have easily been a, seeing that he's holding an 0-2 record and sitting in last place per huge, but you actually give a fuck, Rex, and your team is only out of last place by a measly .16 points. That's crazy. That's two yards running or receiving, four yards passing. If Marvin Jones didn't fumble week one or had a pulse in week two, you'd be dead last by a long shot. You got to get it together, man. Good news for you, though. With that kind of record, you had the pick of the litter on waivers. Come on down, Jerome Ford. Welcome to hell, a.k.a. Oprah's Traps. Once again, a hot name and was attempted to grab by Jimmy, Tom, Mike, Tits, Nikki Ko, myself, and Dave. Um, pretty much the only ones to not make a swipe at him were Evan and Kyle for obvious reasons because they are tanking. And John, because he was focused on the other running back um, that was on the waivers, Kareem Hunt. And Jay, who had his focus on Matt Breida, filling in for Barkley in New York. The only players that have multiple claims put in were Jalen Warren, who could see an increased workload in Pittsburgh with the sudden assness of Najee. And the other was Latavius Murray up in Buffalo for Dave. Um, both players were also attempted to be claimed by Tom just a little late. I would say to reflect your pullout game as well, but that's more Kyle speed where I imagine you just let that puppy pickle, you sick freak. Now for some clean up on the last episode. Kansas City versus Jacksonville was a complete fucking dud. Had the largest over-under, ended up being the lowest scoring game on the week by a huge margin. Two things I had right. Kelsey being back didn't really do much for the offense, and having Chris Jones back did do something for the defense. Still thought the Jags would score over 24 and ended up with 9, but, you know, who the fuck is counting? And out of the tertiary options at wide receiver, Sky Moore was the lucky recipient of the fantasy fortune outside of Kelsey, grabbing a touchdown of his own to go with 70 yards in the air. And see, Jimmy, I told you, Zay Jones just isn't that guy, regardless of what school he attended or how many windows he jumps out of. Zero stats on six targets 
where Kirk, Ingram, and Ridley saw 14, 8, and 8, respectively. Jaguars had issues establishing the run game and quickly went to the passing game, which showed little true football value but still carried those three pass catchers to a solid fantasy day. Now where Casey and Jacksonville let us down, Seattle and Detroit came through. Originally set at 47.5 points on the over-under, they finished the game with a combined 68 points. Fantasy bonanza, folks. Gibbs was slightly more involved, especially in the passing game, but still appeared to be behind Montgomery in the rotation. Now, Montgomery is currently sitting out of practice with thigh injury, following leaving the game early, but is still early in the week, and he could strap him up if he gets right by Sunday. Could this be the week Gibbs is finally given the keys? Probably depends on Montgomery's health. Goff played a great game, spreading the rock, and showed very little fear of Seattle secondary. All top five receiving threats. St. Brown, also currently a little banged up. Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta, who Jimbo just grabbed off waivers. Khalif Raymond and Jameer Gibbs had fantasy relevance this week. Gino was back to his old ways, slanging the damn thing. In order to keep up the shootout, the Seahawks also looked to lean on the passing game over the running game. The only difference is that they did not involve the running backs as much, typically opting to keep them in. Um off the field completely or in as pass blockers to fend off Aiden Hutchinson and the rest of that Detroit D. Still Lockett had two tutties on eight grabs, whereas Metcalf had six catches for 75 yards. Noah Fant, Smith, and Jigba also came to play and could have been flex-worthy in a pinch. Even big Montana, Will Disley, showed he still has some receiving chops, getting three for 35, which really isn't too bad as a tight end two on a team. Now to recap the game of the weeks last week, um, I already did a couple of them. Me and Dave, you know, already noted as Dave was the biggest winner of the week. John versus Tom, where John was the biggest upset of the week. But the third one, Kyle and Steven versus Mike. Now, this matchup was selected as game of the week due to the fact that they were supposed to have very close score. Did not disappoint. Ended only at one and a half points difference. Good to a goblin scoring the wins of both teams as an even one-on-one record. Now, Dallas put a hurting on Kyle's and Steven's team. It's kind of funny because I didn't think they were going to watch the game at all. Um, but they held the Jets' D to zero points and Brees Hall to under a single point. Danny Dimes was the player for their squad that brought victory home, scoring 35-plus points, which was 30 more than his Week 1 showing. Mike not only lost a week, but he also lost his best fantasy player, Nick Chubb, who will soon be looking like Lieutenant Dan or Robocop, depending on how they handle the re-injuring of his completely reconstructed knee. Now, the Thursday night preview. Giants traveled to the big old gay city of San Francisco. The 49ers are favored by 10.5 points with an over-under of 43, giving an expected outcome of 27-16. Makes a lot of sense that Vegas expects this to be so one-sided, with Barkley sitting out this week with an injury, and the 49ers currently sitting atop the odds for Super Bowl favorites. 49ers are coming off a surprisingly close victory to the Rams following an ass-whooping of the Steelers. The 49ers sadly will be without Ayuk battling an injury, but I bet if it were against a bigger opponent, he would probably try and tough it out. No worries, though. Target consolidation is always a beautiful thing when you have other pieces in an offense. Even though it's the NFL and these guys are professionals, they're still humans who choose comfortability. So I wouldn't expect to see big nights out of guys like Ronnie Bell or Ray Ray McLeod. Much more likely to see the likes of Debo, Kittle, even CMC below their expected point totals out of the water unless the game is out of hand early. And they turn to the backups. Elijah Mitchell probably in the running back position to save CMC some wear and Terry to avoid injuries of the, um, you know, the issues of the past. 
The Giants this year hasn't shown the ability to stop anyone. Week one, they played the boys in awful conditions and still gave up 40. The next week, they made an amazing comeback against the tanking Cardinals, but still managed to give up 28 to them with the yellow bastard from Sin City playing quarterback. I guarantee you guys look that guy up. You will agree. Yellow bastard, Sin City, Josh Dobbs, same guy. Now for the Giants. I'm not sure how this all goes down. Danny Dimes will most likely be running for his life most of the game, which actually could boast well for fantasy side of things with the running quarterback getting a bump up in value. It's possible they've learned their lesson as well. With an intimidating defense, they could utilize their entire wide receiver room full of slot guys to help the pressure back off. Breida is also a potent pass catcher throughout history, but he isn't the same talent he was years ago, so the opportunity will be there. But the other side of fantasy value, talent, he's kind of lacking in. Good luck to the Giants, though. They might be walking into a slaughterhouse. Now, to recap Danielle's picks. This might surprise you guys. Kansas City minus 3.5 versus Jacksonville was a win. Detroit minus 5 versus Seattle was a loss for her. Dave did beat me, so that treacherous bitch got a win there. Kyle beat Mike, so win there. 3-1, not too shabby for the uh, first edition of somebody picking the games. So... Enjoy the game tonight, guys. Sorry about being a little late. Have a good one. Love you.